millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, and welcome to the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. I'm your host, Annika. I'm hosting this podcast because I want to learn everything that I possibly can about the sailing lifestyle, specifically about becoming a Liverboard Cruiser. I do this by talking to liverboard sailors as well as industry experts and find out all the essentials about boat shopping and selection, the costs of full-time sailing, and exactly how people made their dream a reality. Join me and you will get real-life advice, practical tips, and maybe you'll even avoid making some costly mistakes. After listening to these truly inspirational and hugely entertaining stories, you and I will be better prepared to start our sailing adventures. Today, my guests are Taryn and Logan from Wayward Life Sailing, and they are in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We discuss living in a boat in a bit of a colder climate, how the Liverbird cruising life suits their desire for a sustainable living, and they also share how they've ended up buying three boats in two years. And I also want to say that Logan had to step away and help out a fellow sailor on the dock, so that's why you'll only hear him in the beginning. Okay, I think it's about time we get to the interview, so let's get started. Taryn and Logan, welcome to the show. I know you from YouTube and Instagram as Wayward Life Sailing, but for those who don't know you just yet, can you quickly introduce yourselves? Sure, um, so we're Taryn and Logan and Max, our doggy. We're currently living on a 40-foot Vandestat Norman 40 um, in Campbell River on Vancouver Island, Canada. And we've lived most of our lives in Canada, minus a, few, a couple of months abroad, <laughs> So, um, which is kind of where our sailing story began, actually. I was born and raised on the island and pretty much lived my whole life here. <laughs> what about you, Taryn? Are you from BC as well? 
yeah, so I've moved around quite a bit. I was born in Alberta, which is like, well, you, you'll know because you're Canadian. The province over from here, you're living in Canada, the province over from here. So yeah, I was born in Alberta, then moved to BC when I was four, moved back to Alberta when I was like a young teenager, and then just needed to come back to BC. I just, BC is has always had my heart. So I slowly worked my way across the province to get back to Vancouver Island. And yeah, every time somebody's like, where are you from? I'm like, just sit down. I got a story to tell. <laughs> Everywhere I've lived, I feel like I'm from. So yeah. Well, you touched on your uh, brief stint abroad and how that sort of started your whole sailing journey. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what originally made you seek a little something different that drove you out of the country? And how did that lead to sailing? Sure. So um, Logan and I, we just both knew that we weren't very happy working regular nine to five jobs and living in a giant house. We had like a 2300 square foot house and two acres of land for two of us. And as you can probably tell by how many places I've lived, I'm not the kind of person that's really good at staying in one place. (laughs) So I knew that I wanted to go and see more of the world and that staying living in one place was never going to be what I wanted to do. And I grew up living on a basically a homestead farming and doing uh, all the work and that kind of stuff and it just doesn't appeal to me really anymore to just be in one place all the time so I like to to see new new places and ultimately that's kind of how I met Taryn so yeah so we I convinced Logan that we should move to Ireland because I had always wanted to live abroad and it was like one of the easier countries for us to move to it like it's an English speaking country and we could get visas there. Yeah, we could get work visas. Yeah. And then when when we were planning our trip to Ireland and packing up our house and everything, we started watching YouTube videos of people sailing. And I had honestly never realized until that point that people lived on their sailboats. I just thought that it was like people had sailboats and they went out for a weekend and that was it. But so yeah, we started watching these YouTube channels and I was like, holy crap, this is super cool. And then we moved to Ireland, and while we were in Ireland, we kept watching them, realized while we were in Ireland that it was too expensive for us to live because we couldn't afford car insurance, essentially. It was going to cost us like $10,000 each to have a car while we were over there, and we were like, yeah. Our, our visa yeah, was only for two years. Like We had to come back after two years, so we were like, are we going to waste like twenty grand on cars, or are we going to come home and try to make something else work so we came home and we decided to buy a sailboat and figure out how to live and travel on a sailboat Mm -hmm. and that was three boats ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've certainly had a lot of experience in buying boats so I was gonna ask like well has the the, you know the um, expectations of this lifestyle met the reality or you know have your you know was it what you expected but I bet you didn't expect that in relatively short time you'd be on your third boat yeah Yeah. definitely not um i think as far as like living goes it's been pretty similar to our expectations for me anyway i don't know about you i think it's been better than what i expected it to be most of my like previous knowledge of living on a boat is me seeing people having to live on their boats because of uh their circumstances and never really leaving the dock, never going anywhere, just basically having it as a floating house. And that doesn't really appeal to me. But now that we're in this lifestyle and meeting people all the time, and we've been able to go to different places and 
and see other people that have been doing it for years and years and having it like realizing it's a sustainable lifestyle it's uh it's really quite an eye-opener yeah we've definitely we've learned so much about yeah i guess just when i moved on to the boat i kind of expected that a lot of things were going to be very similar to living in a house or i guess like even buying and selling boats like because we we had a 32 foot that was like the three of us the dog being the third living on that boat it was too small and it wasn't properly insulated. So like in Canada, it gets really cold in the winters, obviously. And <laughs> that means you get a bunch of condensation issues and like you just can't keep the boat properly heated. So that was a big struggle. So we decided that it made more sense for us to buy um, another boat. So we bought another boat that was a custom built, custom designed boat. And we thought we knew what we were getting into, but it turned out that there were a lot of surprises that were pretty big things that made it so that we wouldn't have bought the boat in the first place if we'd known that it was like that. And I think that was a huge eye-opener for me, especially to see like how different a boat is from a house, because at this point we'd also, we'd owned two different houses and we'd lived in obviously numerous houses. But like going from buying a house to buying a boat is just, it's completely different things, despite the fact that both of them are homes. So that was pretty eye-opening just how many crazy different systems there are on a boat and how it's not, it's not, you don't just like unplug and sail away on a boat. You have to check so many things to make sure you're not going to sink and you have to make sure all your, these systems are running because it's literally life or death out there if things aren't going properly. So especially when you're in a cold climate and cold water. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can imagine that you can easily buy a house that is ready to be moved in and you don't necessarily have to do anything to it in a, in a year's time. But I doubt that anyone would buy a sailboat and do nothing and just set sail. It sounds like it's it's definitely, you know, there's always something to be working on. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I mean, like with our first boat, we did literally buy it and just set sail. Like we bought it in Vancouver and sailed it over to Vancouver <laughs> yeah. Island. And we had we had never been on a sailboat up until that point, either of us. No. no. So we phoned um, one of my good friends. Her husband used to be a sail instructor in the Caribbean. And we phoned him and we were like, can you come sail the boat over for us? So he jumped on a ferry, met us in Vancouver, jumped on the boat. And then we spent the night at a different marina that the boat was at. So it was my first time driving a sailboat. <laughs> Yeah, we had to get it over to this new marina and then sail it out of there the next morning. Yeah. And, um, it was our, our friend that came with us, Rudy. It was his very first time sailing in cold water, too, because he just he grew up in South Africa. And so he sailed like in warm climates like the Caribbean. So, yeah, we were all very bundled up. And but we fell in love with it right away. We were like, this is the best decision we've made. Yeah, he came and met us over there and we we stayed the night on the boat and it was all of our, well, it was our first night on the boat and he hadn't been on a boat in the cold weather like that. I don't think ever. Yeah. And all of the fresh water in the marina that sits on top of the salt water froze. So when we woke up, it was just a huge sheet of ice. Yeah. We, <laughs> we were ice breaking, leaving the marina that morning. <laughs> Wow, that sounds like quite the introduction to, uh, you know, the liverboard and, and sailing life. Did you just learn to sail on that, uh, did you say 32-footer? Or did you do any courses or did you hire an instructor? Or... Yeah, we so we did a five-day liveaboard course out of Victoria. And um, that was super fun. That, yeah, that it, was 
really good. Yeah, it was really important for us to learn like the proper safety. And a lot of people will recommend that you go out like on racing boats if you want to learn how to sail. But to me, it's like, I don't know what bad habits those people have. Lots of them might be fantastic, but... I just wanted like an instructor that I knew was going to teach us proper safety precautions and like proper protocols. You said that thing about learning to sail on a racing boat and I've heard the same thing, but I really don't get that because every time I see people on racing boats or in races, it looks super hectic. I don't know how anyone could learn. I don't know, maybe I'm just a little more slower learner. I want things to be explained and then do it and not You know, so that somebody's yelling in my ear, like, do that super quick and, and whatever. So I, I never got that concept on learning on a racing boat. So I'm hoping to do a, an actual sailing course as well at some point. Yeah, it was it was well worth the money. Um, I was actually talking to a friend yesterday about that exact thing. And him and his wife both live on their boat as well. And they learned the basics through racing. And um We were talking about how like the one crew that the one friend had been on, none of them were very experienced. And a guy that was on the boat that was actually less experienced than him was like shouting at him and they got knocked down at one point and he was just holding on by the mast. Like that was the only thing that kept him on the boat. And then this guy that he said didn't have as much experience even as he did was then yelling at him for getting almost knocked off the boat. Like it was his fault when he wasn't even the guy at the helm. So I was like, I'm never doing that. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about racing. I don't I don't learn well under like high stress situations that induce like trauma. I don't I don't need that. So So how long have you been liveaboard sailors now? Almost two years. So when we bought Blue Peter in Vancouver, we actually lived in our house for I think it was three months after that, just getting everything kind of figured out. And then we moved, we actually renovated the house. So when we let, went to Ireland, we rented out our house. So we came back and luckily for us, the renters weren't even in the house anymore. So we just moved back into our vacant house and we renovated it to get it ready to rent out again and also to move on to the boat. So we bought the boat in March and then we moved on the boat July 1st. So we've been live aboards for actually less than two years now, but we've lived on three boats in that two years. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a lot of uh, experience on different kind of boats. And overall, it sounds like it was a fairly quick process for you guys when you kind of made the decision to buy a sailboat to actually buying a sailboat. It sounds like there maybe wasn't a whole lot of time that went uh, went by there. Yeah, it was probably like January, and then we bought a boat in March. So Logan is an incredibly thorough, detail-oriented person, and so he spent that two or three months just researching and researching and researching and researching. And when we got back to Canada, he was actually extremely worried that we weren't going to find a boat. He was like, there's nothing online for sale. That's like what we want. There's hardly any inventory. Like we might end up just sitting in a house for another year and not finding our boat. But luckily he pinpointed, I think like three models or something that we wanted. And two of those actually came on the market within like a month of us being home. So we went and we looked at a CNC, I think it was a CNC 34 or something, and then Blue Peter, which is an Ontario 32. And um, the Ontario 32 was in great shape. So we ended up purchasing that boat. And it's like a boat that's been around the world with numerous, numerous sailors. Our boat specifically had not been around the world, but Ontario 32s are well known for being a very well-built boat and for sailing great. 
So it was it was an awesome boat to learn how to sail on for sure. And like lots of sailors will tell you that it's better to learn on a smaller boat because they're not as forgiving. So you pick up on kind of the nuances of sailing and the specifics of sailing a lot quicker by learning on a smaller boat. Um, yeah, so we were we were very happy with that. We would have held on to that boat for a lot longer if we'd felt like we could have lived on it comfortably. That was the only issue was that it was not the most comfortable to live on and we couldn't afford to have a boat and live on land. It had to be one or the other. Well, yeah, for sure. 32 feet is, is not a lot for, for two people and, uh, you know, at least a good medium-sized dog. So, I mean, Max is not a, you know, he's not a little poodle, but it's not like a giant either. But, you know, he, he needs his space. Yeah, for sure. And like lots of people, I am always so surprised talking to people and I'm like, yeah, we had a 32 and it was too small for us. And they're like, oh yeah, we lived two of us on like a 28 foot with two large dogs and a cat. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Explain this to me. But it's just, it's just, everybody's different, right? Like different things work for different people and you just have to figure out what works for you. So. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure at the other end, you'll find people who are in a 45 footer and they're like two people and way too small for us. So, you know, it really depends on what you like and what your lifestyle is and and all that so you mentioned that you did own a house or own a house um, what was your sort of financial approach on buying a boat because you were coming back to Canada from abroad so obviously that probably took some of some money even just that whole ordeal of, of moving around uh, to a different country and then coming back renovating a house and buying a boat so did you um, end up saving a lot in advance did you end up selling the house or what was your sort of process on making that purchase happen so for however many years now logan he's been oriented towards having financial stability since he was like 18 years old or whatever luckily he's had a lot of family support in that way too like his whole family's like geared towards like doing things the like the right way for financial stability so um by the time that we decided that we were ready to kind of cut ties to our regular lives and try something different we had one rental home and then the house that we were living in and the area that we were living in the market was just going absolutely insane for housing and our current renters decided they were going to move out so we decided that we were going to sell that house and that's the money that we used to travel to Ireland and then luckily we had some of that money left over when we came back from Ireland and that's what we used to purchase the boat If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And all the boats that you've bought, have they been sort of ready to sail as is? Or have they been more on the fixer upper who need a lot of work? Well, the all three of them we thought were ready to sail, but um, obviously if you're watching our YouTube channel, you know that the second one, it did not turn out that way. Yeah, Blue Peter was great. And I've had a few conversations with people lately as well about like what to look for when you're trying to buy your first boat. And buying a production solid fiberglass boat is just so much less immediate maintenance and so much easier to like spot the problems. So that luckily, it was pretty much what it looked like when we bought Blue Peter and that boat was all good. And we, like I said, literally just sailed it straight out of the marina. We didn't do very much work to Blue Peter while we owned that boat at all. The second boat looked good when we bought her, but as soon as we started kind of exploring more, we found that there were a few rot issues. There was like the forestay was not properly attached to the deck because the plate that they had used was not thick enough. So it was actually bending the plate. So we had to, we hauled out thinking that we'd only be on the hard for a month and it turned into a four month refit project. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and we like when we bought the boat we thought she was only cored to the waterline, like wood cored with balsa, but it turns out that she was cored all the way to the keel. And so we decided that because of that we were never gonna feel really as safe as we wanted to feel in her going into kind of remote areas. So we decided that it didn't make sense to hold on to her and we listed her for sale. Right. And now you're boat owners, new boat owners yet again on a different boat that hopefully is everything you hoped for. Is your plan to, you mentioned, you know, sailing to remote places. Uh, do you mean remote in BC, which certainly can be very remote too? Or do you mean Alaska or somewhere further south or whatever sort of your, you know, dreams and hopes that evidently will be <laughs> changing <laughs> as, as time goes along? <laughs> For sure. So if it were up to me, and I was the only one involved, we would be probably heading to Mexico and South America, Central America and South America, South America. But um, I am the only one of the three of us on board that likes the heat. <laughs> so my vote, my vote has been vetoed. And we're planning to head north. So our hope was to actually go to Alaska and to Haida Gwaii. But because of COVID restrictions, we're not really allowed to travel to those areas yet. So hopefully in the next couple of years, we would like to eventually go through the Northwest Passage, but obviously that's a ways away, <laughs> like both planning and skill level. So we're hoping within the next like five to 10 years, we can realize that dream, but we'll see. We'll see where she goes. It will be North, regardless of what we're doing, we'll be heading North. <laughs> So obviously you have plans, you're living on a sailboat now in BC and uh, hopefully exploring a little bit further as uh, pandemic conditions uh, allow and once you get your boat um, up and ready to go. Um, what's your sort of financial plan for that? Do you have income streams that are sort of happening all the time that are literally keeping you afloat or is there something you hope to explore a little bit more or what's your sort of outlook on that? Um, so currently... Logan's a heavy-duty mechanic by trade, but he sustained an injury, so he probably won't be going back to that. Um, and I'm a I'm a photographer, mostly weddings, but some freelance work as well. So currently, it's mostly my photography that's sustaining us, but that's that will probably change as we travel more. So we're looking at I think 
helping to find jobs as we head north into other communities and maybe looking for some caretaking work and stuff at like remote lodges this winter if we can do that and then obviously we're hoping (laughs) we've got a youtube channel it'd be great if that ended up making us more money it's not making us very much right now but hoping that makes us some more especially as we start to travel to some really cool remote places so the the channel hasn't been as exciting as we'd hoped because we spent like all summer last year just refitting the boat. But now that we can actually, you know, sail like you're supposed to do on a sailboat, we can hopefully take people to some really cool places. And I also write a little bit for a couple of marine related publications. So that's making me a little bit of money as well. Yeah, for sure. So you obviously have the, you know, a, a few different income sources uh, that are happening and then who knows, um, what will happen with something like YouTube channel. I think that will be great to see. I'm always happy to see your guys' videos. And I think there's definitely a market for seeing, you know, videos from a little more remote places, not, you know, especially in BC, at least I'm really interested in in all that. So there aren't that many channels uh, out there that are doing that. So I think that's uh, that's really great. And I think there will be lots of people who will be looking to do that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, hopefully. Um. Also, we have just gotten all of our dive gear figured out and we've got enough space on this boat to actually have dive gear. So that'll be cool, I think, because there is an insane amount of life under the water in BC and it's just, it's so cold. So it's so much work to get into the water and actually see it, but we're hoping that we can actually show some of that life too. So I'm really excited about that. I've taken like a very odd path career-wise as well. I've got like training as a welder. I've got training as a yoga instructor. And obviously as a photographer too. So that's one of the, the boat that we have now is a steel boat. And one of the big awesome things about that was that both Logan and I weld so we can kind of fix anything that happens on a steel boat without getting super itchy working with fiberglass. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we're both almost like disappointed that there aren't more projects on this boat because we both wanted to do some <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's quite the career path. That's a pretty versatile, like kind of like goes with your, uh, you know, having lived in several different places and not wanting to settle for one place to live also not wanting to settle for one type of profession. So that's, that's super cool. It uh, sounds like you're definitely then, you know, making it work for you. And, you know, your home is now something that you can move from one place to another. You're not stuck in one place. And, you know, you have a few things going on sort of work-wise and you're combining your passion for travel and adventure and then making that work. So that's amazing. You're you're living the uh, the dream. <laughs> yeah, I think for us, honestly, like the, the finances... Like keeping finances coming in is like the probably the hardest piece for both of us but it's just like so far it's just kind of it's worked out we've made it work and I'm hoping it continues <laughs> that way as we go but I mean yeah the nice thing about having a boat is that you can move to places that have work right as long as they're along the coast and just kind of find a marina to hunker down in for the winter whatever until you have enough money to keep cruising again so that might end up be what happens in the next couple of years we'll see I am curious, um, how much does it cost you now to live on a boat in BC? Obviously, you're now on a new boat, so that's probably a whole new, uh, you know, set of uh, challenges and, and difference to the other boats. But in general, do you have an idea on how much you spend in a month, whether you're an anchor or a marina, you know, pick your uh, own scenario for that? I honestly have not spent, I have not spent time like sitting down and getting a spreadsheet ready or anything with like exacts but um so we're on a 40 foot boat our last one was 45 feet and 
we've been really lucky to find marinas that are fairly affordable for that. But you're paying anywhere from like at this marina, we're paying $500 a month in the winter time to be at the marina. And that's the very low end, I'd say, on Vancouver Island. So you can pay anywhere from like 500 on a 40 foot boat to like over $1,000 a month, depending on where you are in a marina. It's still cheaper than living in a condo here or a house. It's definitely still cheaper than any rent I've seen because rent prices on the island are absolutely insane right now. But it is like we haven't found a marina where we can say outright that we're liveaboards and live there. There's some marinas that they don't really bother you when you're living on your boat. But you can't say like I'm a liveaboard and have like official liveaboard status at the marina. Yeah. And then all our other costs have just been like food or repairs, which are about the same as when you're living on land, I think. Again, depending on the boat, obviously, how much you need to put into doing repairs and whatnot. The amount of time that you're away from the dock and how much wind you have and all that stuff really determines how much fuel you're burning. But sailboats are notorious for being great on fuel, so it's usually not very much. So I think the biggest change probably in like what we spend living on a boat versus living in a house is probably like rental costs. Mortgage is definitely cheaper here than a mortgage or renting a property. And I don't know what else has really changed. We shop a lot less, I guess. Or we, we have to think about things a lot more when we go to buy stuff, right? Because you're on a boat where you've got to figure out a place to store it. And especially if you're sailing, like everything has to be stored because you don't want stuff flying all over the place. So you have to think a lot more about what your purchases are than compared to like living in a house where you can just shove it in a closet. So that helps to save money, I think. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's not that living on a sailboat is necessarily a low cost option. But oftentimes, especially if you compare it to somewhere living in a city in a condo, it's, it's certainly cheaper. And obviously depends on your lifestyle in general, like what do you eat? And you know, what do you shop and that kind of thing. And I actually wanted to touch on a base that Logan mentioned briefly earlier, he mentioned uh, sustainable living. And I know you guys are quite keen on that. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what's your uh, thoughts on that? Are you um, is part of your desire to live on a sailboat is to have a small impact uh, on the environment? And uh, how do you feel that is? Is that something that is doable? Yeah, for sure. So both of us are very passionate about like local food and keeping things as local as possible. I could, I mean, I could do an entire podcast on why I think that doing things local is important. But one of the beauties of living on a sailboat is that you can go out into the ocean and you can like literally live off the land, especially here because we are so kind of remote compared to the rest of the world. There's such a low population base compared to like Europe or the Caribbean or any of those places. So it's a lot easier to go out and to kind of like sustainably harvest seafood or harvest things out of the forest and kind of live off of those more so. So that's hugely appealing to us. Also, obviously, if you're on a sailboat and you want to travel by wind, that's not burning any fossil fuels, which is a huge bonus, like not only for your wallet, but the environment. And we want to keep the environment as pristine and as healthy as possible. I think, too, like living on a sailboat, even like in a marina, we were talking to a friend this morning about how living in a marina, it's kind of like living in an apartment building. But the thing is that you're always attached to the water, so you're always close to nature. There's no way to disconnect from nature when you're on a sailboat. You like middle of the night, 3 a.m., you'll wake up because the wind picks up. Like there's just you're never disconnected from what's going on around you. And that's extremely appealing, not only for personal 
experience of being closer to like the earth that way, but also because if you're connected to what's going on around you, you're a lot more likely to make decisions that are a lot healthier for your environment, right? So we find that very appealing. I'd like to say that we drive a lot less, but we don't because our entire lives right now are like still based in a community that's an hour and a half south of where our boat is. So I especially drive back and forth a lot for work, but we're hoping that's not a long-term thing. We were really excited about the prospect of only having one vehicle and not having to drive nearly as much even while we're where we are. So now that we have a boat that we're planning to keep for a while, we're hoping that we can actually get our life set up better so that we're minimizing the amount of driving that we're doing as well. And yeah, like talking to other cruisers and spending time with people that do live on their boats full time, people figure out a way that they can walk most places so they don't have to rent a vehicle or bum a ride off of somebody or have their own vehicle. So that's really encouraging. And yeah, it's really cool to see kind of like a community that's built around all of these ideas too like especially here most of the cruisers that we know they live off the land as much as they can they're out yeah catching crabs or prawns or even like harvesting like seaweed or things out of the forest and they're canning them and they're making the most out of like even if they're buying stuff at the grocery store they're trying to make the most that they can out of what they buy from the grocery store and like making soup broth and canning the soup broth or whatever there's just like kind of an attitude of it's almost like kind of like homesteading but on the water I guess like you can move yeah which is really really cool it's just the like the closer you are to the land that you live on the less of an environmental impact you have because things aren't getting flown from like halfway across the world to get to you and also the more connected you are to your environment and to the land around you and the more that you care about the things that actually directly affect your life and the more likely you are to kind of stand up to things going wrong and to notice when things are going wrong and changing and try to do something to keep them from getting worse. So, Well, with um, hindsight being 2020 and with all your experience that you have now, um, what do you wish you knew before you ever got started with this whole sailboat live aboard life? I don't know, actually, honestly, if there's anything that I like wish I knew, because I feel like everything that we've learned along the way if I'd known before, it might have deterred me from wanting to do it, but I have no regrets about doing it, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of things that are a lot harder when you're living on a sailboat. You don't have as many creature comforts. You have to deal with the fact that, like, living on a sailboat is like in kind of like living in a tiny home. And it's in a weird kind of gray area where it's like it's legal, but it's not really legal. And there's always somebody that's anti live aboard which, I mean, you could get into the host of reasons why people are anti-live aboard too, but it's just, it's any alternative lifestyle is not as easy as living in a house and working a regular job. And in my mind, I was very naive and I was like, this is so cool. People are going to think it's so cool. Everybody's going to be like, this is good for the environment. People are going to see that. And that's what they're going to care about is helping to make this better, make the world better by having people live these alternative lifestyles. And unfortunately, the reality is kind of the complete opposite of that. So and not that like, it's impossible, obviously, we're doing it. And it, there's a lot of us doing it. And there's more doing it all the time. So it's far from impossible. But it's also far from simple and far from easy, just because the systems aren't there in the same way that they are if you're living more traditionally. But again, if I'd known how many, how much more difficult it would be, I might not have done it. And that would have been a huge regret. So I'm happy that I wasn't aware of like those struggles before we started 
on this journey. Yeah, and I think it must have been, you know, a lot of useful learning that has happened throughout this whole process. Like you said, if you'd not done something, you would have never learned, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's sort of like you're always learning on a sailboat uh, by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And anybody that sails will tell you that too. Like every time you go out on the water, you learn something. So that's really cool too. Yeah, it is actually really appealing to me as well. So it's just kind of keep learning, do new things, not have the kind of routine, you you know, uh, let's say in quotation marks, normal people have, uh, you know, in your, your office job, nine to five. You know, it's um, exciting not to know what uh, tomorrow will bring and at times for sure stressful. I understand it's not all, you know, butterflies and rainbows, but uh, it's appealing, let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, it is for sure. It's very, it's very interesting. And yeah, it keeps you on your toes. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, just to wrap this up, um, what would you tell someone who is considering this lifestyle? Obviously, you kind of already said it a little bit, like it's not as easy as you think. Uh, but do you have any other sort of advice or words of wisdom or any other uh, tidbits to share? I guess be prepared for it not to be easy and be prepared to learn a lot and to have to keep an open mind that way and know that literally every day is going to be some level of learning experience. But if you enjoy being out in nature and you enjoy solitude and you enjoy seeing new places and experiencing the wilderness, it's 110% worth it. Like, I have no regrets, even with buying a boat that was like a complete bust. We wouldn't have found the boat that we live on now if we hadn't had that boat because Logan actually found this boat in a boatyard that he just was driving past when he was buying parts for, for the second boat. So, yeah, it's just everything. If you're open, like, I feel like, too, when, you, when you're, like, living on boats and you're part of the sailing community, you start to realize that, like, most of the things that you gain is from conversations with other sailors on the dock. You can't Google most of the information and all the really kind of good, juicy stuff that leads you to what you want or what you're needing in your life. It comes from other sailors and from other people in the community and just actually having a conversation with them and coming and being present in those places. So it's just the whole the whole sailing thing is just it's not on the Internet. <laughs> it's not it's not in that virtual world in a lot of ways. And as an introvert, that can be a challenge, but it's also, it's just, it's great. It's completely worth it. We've gained so much by making this decision and I would not take it back regardless of how many difficulties have come along the way. That was really well said. Yeah. The, the, the things don't happen on the internet for sure. But that was a lot of wisdom to do in the podcast. With. Can you share where can people come and follow your journey and your upcoming adventures and your new boats and all that fun stuff? Our YouTube channel is Wayward Life Sailing. We post a video every week of us doing whatever on the boat. It's very much in real time and it's the reality of it. We don't, we don't sugarcoat anything. If things are going wrong, you're going to see them going wrong. And if they're going great, you're going to see that too. And yeah, we just, we try to show the reality of what living on a boat is like. And you can also check us out on Instagram for kind of more regular updates and to see more pretty pictures because photography is what I do as a job. So it's nice to be able to showcase that too. Um, our Instagram is the.wayward.life. Um, and yeah, we love to communicate and chat with other sailors. So do not be shy to reach out and ask us any questions you have or yeah, to contact us like Anna has done. Thanks so much for this. This is great. It's super fun. A super big thank you for Taryn and Logan for chatting with me. 
Definitely go check them out on YouTube and Instagram for some of that stunning Canadian West Coast sailing. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Instagram as Annika Rautiola. And of course, as usual, you can subscribe to Liverboard Sailing wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode that comes out next Wednesday. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.